Hi, welcome back to the She Invest podcast with your host, Ali Fugit. And Carrie Douglas. And today we are going to be actually talking with Carrie about return on equity. And she's going to break down for us uh, cash on cash versus uh, equity returns. So let's jump into it and get started. Yeah. So I actually wanted to talk about this because someone brought it to my attention recently that I should be evaluating the return on equity. And so I figure we just go through a case study of, of my first STR that I purchased two years ago. And, you know, what did I pay for the property? What are the returns like? And we can actually do this in real time because I haven't decided what I want to do yet. Um, but I, I can tell my intuition is telling me that like, it's time to to either sell or do a cash out refi. And so I need to kind of evaluate uh, the different options. So I would love to kind of do that in real time where everyone can take a look at it with me. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're going to bring our whiteboard on here. So Carrie can break it down for you guys. Yeah. So these are some pictures of the property. Um, it's a four bed, two bath. It's located in Florida. It has a caged pool. Um, I will just sort of jot down some of the facts about this deal. So I purchased it for 380. Wow, that's some nice writing um, happening right there. <laughs> and it's a really delayed, so I apologize. Um, I purchased it for 380. Um, I did have to, I put down about 50,000 um, at closing. So that was my down payment. And um, so I have a loan amount of about 330 when I bought the property. And since then that has been paid down a little bit. Um, I also had to put in an additional uh, 25,000 for um, furnishings and there was some travel required um, to, to do this deal. And um, so my all in is um, 75,000. And when we look at um, like a cash on cash return, we'd be looking at, um, you know, how much are we getting in cash flow in exchange for that 75K that I was all in on this property? Um, so if I take my, my gross on this property is um, 66,000 and I subtract my expenses, which are higher than I did expect, higher than I underwrote um, at 47, my cash flow is 19,000 um, per year. And so if we took the um, 19,000 that I'm making and divide it by the 75K that I am all in, in cash so far on this property, that is a 25% cash on cash return. And that's not too terrible. Um, like I said, I thought it was gonna be a little bit better, but it's not bad. Um, and that fits the criteria that I was looking for when I was purchasing the property. Um, I, because I get to use it for personal use for a vacation place for my family, I'm, I'm comfortable with this cash on cash return. So I know I started kind of like quickly, what questions do you have so far? Yeah, no. Okay. So I think that it's important for those who may be listening in that maybe don't have a lot of experience with cash on cash uh, return, like specifically is that, you know, what would be a cash on cash return that a lot of people would look for and how is it different in real estate for what we would look for versus like if they're doing stocks yeah so personally i won't touch anything that has less than a 20 percent cash on cash and i when i'm 
calculating how much cash is acquired, you know, in, in maybe a long-term rental situation, it would simply be the down payment required. But in a short-term rental, you're going to spend money on furnishings. Um, maybe you're going to make a few repairs to the property to make it a little bit nicer. All that needs to be calculated and added up to the total cash you're bringing to the table to do the deal. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good yeah. points. What do you guys look for? Are you looking like 20, like I said, 20% below that is like a threshold where I won't even look at it. Um, I definitely want it to be better than that. And I thought it would be a little better, but 25 still isn't bad. What for you guys? What do you look for personally? Yeah, we are the same. Um, we actually, we kind of upped our standards a little bit in the last couple of years. And like, we really don't want to touch anything that's less than 22 uh, just because of like with the value we know that we can add to the property. So uh, 22 is kind of our base, at, but of course we're looking at anything above and beyond that. But I think what's unique again to our position is that we are looking for things that need complete overhaul renovation because that's the background we come from. So we are looking at properties that need a lot of value add. Um, and so when you are adding a ton of money at the beginning to bring that property up to par, you're mm -hmm. going to be spending more cash on the front end. So it makes sense that your threshold might be a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point I was getting at. We, you know, we do know that we're going to throw it all out at the beginning. So 22 is our base. We 25 is preferable, but uh you know, if, if it's just some place that we absolutely love, great location, views, whatever, we'll, we're okay with the 22. But mm -hmm. 25, I think, is what we'd be more comfortable with. And, and like your properties is perfect in that aspect with how much you've put into it and everything. So yeah, yeah. And so like, as I calculated um, the cash on cash, at the time <laughs> I underwrote the deal, and for the first year we were in operation, I was like, okay, this isn't so bad. This is fine. Um, but now we're at this point where the property has gone up in value a a lot. And I had been talking about a cash out refi. Um, and somebody said, you know, why don't you evaluate your return on equity? And so I just was like, okay, I hadn't thought about that. Let me do that. Um, and so I want to kind of run through what that calculation would look like and how it's different. So when you begin, um, well, and this is a different, hold on. When you begin talking about, um, return on equity, it should really be the same as your cash on cash when you first buy the property. Because at that point in time, you've you've put in the 75,000, you're making the 19, like those are the same. But as time goes on, if the property increases in value, your equity is going up. And so when we look at the fraction of, um, let me just delete, we can edit this out later, sorry. Let me <laughs> just want to delete this box here because it's not relevant right now. Um, so basically when we're looking at, um, I'm sorry, Allie. This box is on the wrong screen. It's okay. And I have just never. Click it, just click it and hit delete on your screen. I, I have mean, your, no your keyboard. keyboard. So hold on. Oh. That's my problem is that I could not quickly delete it. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We can edit that out. Yeah. When we figure out how to edit. <laughs> we got this. Okay. So when we start looking at return on equity, we're, real, we're recognizing that the value of the property has gone up. So 
my um, I'm going to look at this at purchase versus now. And so at the time of purchase, I was looking at this 19,000 out of the 75 I had in. And that was the 25% cash on cash. Now the property is worth a lot more. So I have a $500,000 valuation on the property. It's gone up from 380 to 500. So That's the appraisal, like recent appraisal on it. Yeah, I didn't have an appraisal. That's just what the realtor feels it would sell for and based okay. on comps in the neighborhood that I've been kind of watching. Um, I still owe the original um, mortgage, but I've paid down the principal from 330 now to 320. Um, if I sold this, I would potentially pay a realtor or a couple realtors, probably 25,000 to get it sold um, if I couldn't sell it off market or something like that. And so then I'm probably looking at equity that I actually have in the property after realtor fees would be like 155K. And so if I take that same 19,000 per year that I'm making right now, and I say the amount that I could be leveraging is 155K, this ratio looks a lot worse than my cash on cash did. So this is only a 12% return on equity. So as the property went up in value and my mortgage got paid down a little bit, now I have cash that is an equity that is tied up idle inside of the property and not being put to work that potentially could be put to work. And so it's really important, I guess, for me, and I hadn't done this math previously, and so I'm really glad someone pointed this out to me. I hadn't considered the, you know, the disadvantage that I was at here by leaving this equity tied up in the property. And I had talked about a cash out refi. So let's run what that could look like. You know, maybe I don't need to sell. Maybe I just do a cash out refi, but I don't know if it's enough to move the needle. And um, so I think the part that I just want to be really clear about is like, I, I said to someone yesterday, I said, yeah, I'm only getting a 12% return on equity. And they're like, what's wrong with your property? Like, why is it not performing? I'm like, oh no, it's performing <laughs> just fine. It's just that I have so much more equity now than I did before. Mm-hmm. So if we were to look at, you know, doing a cash out refi, um, if I have a $500,000 property and I could potentially um, get a 70%. So I'm like doing times 0.7, um, loan to value on a, it wouldn't be able to be a he lock probably because it's a second home. It would probably be a he loan. Um, I have heard someone say they were able to find a he lock on a second home. I haven't been able to find that. So I'll have to do more research on that if this was an option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but a 70% loan to value would mean that I would, be able to borrow a total of 350,000 against this property. And since I already owe 320 against it, that allows me to take out 30K of my equity, which really isn't enough for me to go do another deal. Now, if by some 
miracle or through some kind of connection, I was able to find a key loan um, that would do a 80% loan to value. Um, now, if we take 500 times 0.8, I'm able to borrow a total of 400,000 against this property. And since I currently owe 320, that would mean I could take out an additional 80,000. And so by the math that we saw when I acquired this property, I could go, I was told I was all into this for 75. So I could go do another deal with that 80,000 if I was able to find a he loan or he lock that would that would allow me to take out 80k. Um, I could do another very similar deal. The problem is though, if I went and tried to do that exact same deal in this same market, using my same cleaner and my same um, handyman, like like leverage the team that I have there, there aren't any 380 homes anymore because they've all increased to 500 in value. So I can't go find another one in that same market. So this is where I was faced with the conversation about like, okay. I probably would need to enter a different market if that's my budget is the 80,000 for down payment and furnishings, or um, I could just sell the property as well. Now I've got 155,000 to work with and I could go do a bigger deal. I could do it. I could do it in a different market or I could get out of this neighborhood and go closer to the beach or closer to a different amenity, like into a, a better um, pocket of properties. So, what, what am I missing? Yeah. Uh, so I think that when it comes down to like when you're evaluating this, right, like it's good to take this into consideration for all of your properties, probably like once a year, um, in, in my opinion, because if you're not, then like, what does your personal financial statement look like? You know, and that's where you like really got to stay on top of everything. But for you, Carrie, like when we're looking at this particular deal, it is, uh, so sorry about that. Um, I need to turn my notifications off. I thought Don't worry, I... we'll edit this part out too. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, when, when you're looking at this deal for you, Carrie, I think that we have to consider what you are trying to put your money to work towards. Like, so what is your goal, right? And that yeah. comes down to everybody when you're, when you're looking at these. Is your goal to move forward and get another property? Or is your goal, because we all know that you have this hotel deal going on right now, is your goal to put that money to the hotel. And so it, you have to weigh your options there. And then that kind of makes you take a step back and work a little bit more backwards of if I throw it into another home, what is my return on equity for particular deals or cash on cash? And the same with the hotel and, and what's going to put your money to work faster and give you a better return. So yeah. that that's the question. So like, what do you think your thoughts are on that? Well, I'm glad you kind of made me think about it in terms of like, what, you know, where, where am I going from here? Um, so if I were to go um, reinvest this 155, like if I sold this property and I went and reinvested this 155 in another single family home, um, that, that would take time and effort to locate that property. And so I think when we're when we're looking at like, you know, that 12% return on equity, um, that's low enough to motivate me to take the time and effort to go find another deal. Um, I was talking with somebody recently about it who said like, if it's above, if the return on equity is above 15%, it's not there. It's lower than what you'd want, but there's not enough of an incentive for your time and effort to go find the other deal. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, because I do have this hotel project on my plate. I don't know if I want to go travel, look for the, to, to the to that market, look for the other property there, etc. So and start on your team, right? Like, because that's another part of it too. It's not just like finding the deal. It's like getting a whole other team in place, finding new people, and that that's a lot more time too. If I went to a different market, yeah, exactly. If you yeah. go to the same market and find a new property there, that requires my travel time. It requires finding the property, furnishing the property, managing a build out, whatever. At the same time, I'm trying to do a hotel project. But then, you know, if if I even if I just did the home equity loan um, to go do another deal, it's it's hard to find one in that market that would cash flow at that price point. I think if I went to a different market, I could find one that cash flowed at that, you know, with, with just needing 80 up front. Um, but again, then I'm researching another market um, while I'm trying to do this hotel project. So I think you're right that like having the hotel project might be a decision factor for me. But for someone who wasn't doing a hotel project, mm -hmm. I still think there's value to looking at this number and saying, like, would I want would I want to take the 30 or 80,000 in a he loan, go do another deal that's a similar size, or would I sell and go do a bigger deal? Um, that or multiple deals, right? Correct. Like that doesn't even just have to be one. Like 155 could essentially, depending on the size of the project, get you two or three deals. You it know. Could. Yes, um, exactly. If, if you find the right deals. So, yeah. And for me personally, I would rather have, um, you know, one larger property that produces the same amount of money instead of two small properties that would produce that amount of money because there's an economy of scale. Right now, I only have one HVAC system to worry about maintaining. I only have one roof to worry about maintaining. I only have one driveway to shovel, like, you know, get somebody there to take care of the lawn and the snow removal and whatever. Now, there's just fewer moving parts, right? If you have that economy of scale by doing it one bigger property. Um, so that's for me personally, I, I would rather that. Um, and so let's say I didn't have the hotel project. I almost feel like doing one better better property. And maybe there's a chance then too, that I go from 25% cash on cash at my current um, scenario. And maybe I would find another one that was 25%. Maybe I can go to 30% cash on cash if I leveled up. I mean, we talk a lot about how like some markets have saturation, but it's really around a certain bedroom count. Like, let's say um, I could afford to do a larger property that maybe had a larger number of bedrooms. And in that given market, maybe you know tipping the scale above the standard size home to a to a more luxury property would move the needle in a way like like right. like at disney you know in the disney market if you are able to get to a larger size property it the returns are much better than you know your two bed one bath condo right so just kind of thinking through that piece right away um really helps kind of, I guess, put this in perspective for me. I would say that like, like I had told you at the beginning, my intuition was telling me it was time to probably sell this property. Um, and I, I do a lot of things based on, you know, what my intuition tells me, but mm -hmm. I do have people in my life who are like, I'm sorry, I need you to explain why you think this is a good idea. And so <laughs> for my husband or, or my accountant, they're going to be like, what, you know? And so this is a metric I can use to help kind of um, explain why, why I think this is a good idea. So, yeah, well, I think it's important for like listeners out there to also hear that, like, sometimes when you're in this field and you are the expert, it's very important that you listen to your gut, right? Because it's very clear by the numbers that 
you didn't have a good cash on cash, your return on equity is not there. And so like it, your gut was telling you the right thing. Like it's kind of, you're at a crossroads here about what to do. So listening to your gut and moving forward and, and deciding whether or not to act on that, of course, having conversations with those people around you are important, but um, don't just deny your gut feelings because right. they'll kind of lead you in the right direction, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, and I think uh, what you made a very good point on too, Carrie, is that when you are deciding this, um, for those, uh, those getting into maybe larger homes or larger equity deals, um, you having a place that's going to bring you the same amount of money with more units in one place, that whole commercial side is a really big topic of discussion in this particular industry right now. So if you're not comfortable with that, like ask the right questions because you could be missing out on some pretty big money moves just by not feeling comfortable going outside of your box. So um, yeah, reach out to some people and get some information on that because right now, like a lot of people um, kind of that are in this almost a very similar situation um, as this house, but opposite of like, their actual investments in their retirement funds, they've got money sitting there that is not making them anything, right? And so they're having to do a very similar evaluation on what to do. And so if you're at that crossroads too, or with a different property like Carrie, like start looking into some bigger deals that can make you some better money. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think um, after kind of flushing it out without the hotel project in the picture, like let's bring that back in and talk through that because I think that's where you're leaning with what you were yeah. about to say. So like, because I do have a hotel project that I'm currently working on, I could take this 155, put it into that project, and I probably will get a better return for one. But two, the really the really exciting thing about commercial that it that excites me is that the value of commercial property is based on the net operating income the property can generate. So if I own this single family home in Florida and it generates a net after debt service, so that's not even net operating income, that's that's cash flow. Um, but let's say it generated, I think my my mortgage payments alone, well, I'd have to do the math, but let's say that the net operating income before debt service was approximately 30,000. Well, in, in commercial, you could take that 30,000 and multiply it by a cap rate. Let's call it 10% for right now. And a property that produces 30,000 would be worth 300. In the single family residential space, your property value is not tied to the amount of cash flow that it can produce. So if if I go to sell this property, I'm at the mercy of the residential home buyer market. Like who wants to move here? Who wants to live in this property? Who wants to have it as a vacation home, et cetera. Whereas in commercial, we do have the economy of scale. We have all the units in one place. It can operate in, in a more efficient way for one, but two, that operating income that I produce translates into property value. And it yeah. gives me an opportunity to force appreciation. Um, through that. And that's the part that I think, you know, was exciting to me about doing a commercial project. I, I would have to agree. And I think like for, for me, uh, I think about a better way like that I put it is I have more control over the situation 
for commercial deals um, when it comes to this, because again, we we set the rates. We are in, we can push all of that into that particular property, and then every time we do, it just ups the value, ups the value, and and I feel like we get a better return off of it than we do on our single family homes because like the seventy five thousand that you put into this home, you know you may not see like if you weren't evaluating this and when you sold it later on, you may never see that back as a full return. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but for a commercial deal, you put 75,000 into it, you know, more than likely you're getting a 15 to 20% return, like immediately, even at refinance, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that's a very important thing is like, is realizing that the control that you have over those situations. Yeah, and we're gonna dissect our hotel deals at a later point in time. Yeah. Um, but for today, I think this conversation, Allie, thank you for listening and mm -hmm. chiming in, uh, just like helping me with this decision. I mean, I know my kids are gonna be bummed that their vacation house is going away, but um, I think that's the right thing to do. And, and for someone who wants to purchase it, like it still would be a good cash on cash for someone entering it even at this price, because if if it's five hundred thousand and they can put ten percent down on a second home loan, plus twenty five, they might even be able to buy it furnished from me, right? Like now they don't have any furnishings or anything required. And I mean, I did have to do some work to the property. I did some paint flooring. Um, I remodeled one bedroom. So like that part's all done. It's turnkey, ready to go. That's less cash that they have to bring up front, uh, right. fully furnished with. I mean, everything. Well, and it's a selling perk on your end too, that yeah. you can probably list a little bit more above market, but they're coming in with everything done and, yeah. and, and all and of that. So you're giving them a whole package deal. Exactly. And and now they can put down the 10% on a second home loan um, and they might even have a better cash on cash return than I did because the amount of capital they have to bring could be less than 75. They might just bring like 55, you know? Who, for um, you know their down payment plus closing costs, maybe they don't have any other expenses, and so now they're making the same nineteen um, cash flow with with bringing less to the table than I did. I mean, this could be this could be great for somebody. Right. So, and I think and Karen, before we before we hop off, like I think that's a very important thing for for listeners to know too is that um, when you are going into a deal. Um, and like a lot of people go back through and they look at like what the previous purchase price was and all this stuff. And they, they kind of get a little, um, you know, for lack of better words, like a little hatred towards like, oh my gosh, they bought it for she this. Only paid 380, who yeah. is going to ask 500? Exactly. Like, I did all the heavy lifting for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. So like, who does she think she is asking that much money? But that people aren't looking at it exactly like what we're speaking about here is that you have to step back and look at it from your cash on cash and your return on equity as mm -hmm. to what you're going to be getting, because it could be better than what they did, which is why they're selling it. So don't think that they're trying to get out of a bad deal. And don't think that um, just because they're hiring the price, they think that they're beating the market or they're just trying to get in while it's hot. Right. So, um, you know, you, you no, you're exactly deal. right. In fact, you know, as a realtor, my clients often ask me, that question, like, well, they only paid this for it. Why is it worth so much more? Or, um, you know, are they are they trying to, you know, gouge on price because you know they've done all the heavy lifting? And it's like, well, no, this would be five hundred would be market value for this property, even if it wasn't an already established short term rental with bookings for next year already. Like, it it wouldn't 
it, it would still be worth the same amount of money. So I think you're right to have the buyer look at it from the perspective of how much money do I need to bring to the table to make this much cash flow, regardless of what the purchase price of the property is. Right, right. And, and get the return that they want. And, and that's, yeah. a, that's a very important. So like, if you are um, for us, like where that where that plays in for us in our business is we co-host. So like as we are coaching along buyers, like this is something that a lot of real estate agents in our area are educating the buyers on. So like we take the moment to like calculate that and do that for them. So make sure that if you're in that position, you're helping home buyers, whether you're a realtor or a host, like educate them on that so that so that they don't get sour on a deal that like especially if it's in an area you know you can make money on, don't let them get sour on something that they shouldn't be sour about because yeah. they could end up missing a great opportunity just because they were trying to, you know, not get run over by somebody on price. Right. right. Well, and I know there's a lot of speculation and concern about home values. And I think it's important to recognize that real estate is local, right? So the market that this property is in, has an extremely high amount of migration. People are moving to this particular metro area um, for job development. For There's just so much growth there that um, I, I do not anticipate this home value going down. And so I'm not looking to sell it because I think I need to get rid of it before it decreases. Um, I mean, that was part of my market research when I bought it was is our home value stable here? That was the research I was doing two years ago. I found the migration. I found the job growth trends. I found, you know, what was going on in that economy. And that was part of evaluating the market. But like, yeah, that's not that's not the reason that that people would be selling is because they're like scared that it's going to go down or, or something like that. It's just I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So some really good things today on uh, how to evaluate property. So thanks, Carrie, for sharing your real deal. Now you're getting like the authentic first time I did this really math. So yeah, <laughs> thanks no, but for bearing with me in real time. Yeah, and so uh, so yeah, so you'll have to you guys will have to keep up with Carrie and what she's doing and and where what plays she decides to make, and she'll try to keep us updated on that too. But if you have questions about cash on cash or return on equity, drop it in our Facebook group. Uh, let us and some other experienced, um, you know, hosts and uh, investors help you out and help you determine. And we would love to work through some of those deals for you. Um, also, if you have a deal that you want to come on our podcast and let us talk through with you, like let's uh, yes. let's get you scheduled. So reach out to us at um, on our Facebook page or at she.invest.podcast at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank All you. Right, until next week, guys. Bye. Thanks so much.